Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. Welcome back to Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob. This is podcast number 551. It is August 20 and 21, 2016. This is our weekend edition uh, where we always feature North Korea. Reading from my collection of North Korea blogs that is available online at Amazon.com. This is uh, item number 84 on page 122 if you already have the book. It's called Don't Fold the Great Leader's Face. Anne Penketh in the UK's Independent September 17 and 2004 tells some of the legend of Kim Il-sung, North Korea's dictator. Um, two dictators before the present one. I'm paraphrasing and add a, adding a little to her article. She relates the story of a passenger on the Air Koryo flight out of Pyongyang. He had finished for the present with the reading of a North Korean magazine and had folded it in two so as to stuff it in his bag. A watchful and stern stewardess reminded him that he must not fold the great leader's face, which of course filled the entire cover. A British diplomat on the same flight asked another stewardess to leave his drink on the magazine while he read a newspaper. No go. He first had to take the magazine off the tray so that the precious face would not get wet marks on it. Uh, the dictator before Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il, has likewise been elevated to God status. Murals in Pyongyang and elsewhere depict a log cabin surrounded by a high and holy Korean mountain and fir trees. A star appeared over those mountains, says the legend, when Kim Jong-il was born. In fact, Kim Jong-il was born in a prison camp, the facts tell us, near the far eastern Russian city of Khabarovsk. But North Koreans, who are brainwashed from birth, believe the myths. Like the one that says North Korea is a paradise, whose problems are nothing compared to the horrible situation in South Korea and the United States. And the one that points to the 150-story hotel on the other side of the Taedong River that was never completed. Why? Well, financial problems caused by the United States. The country that has given North Korea, by the way, multiplied tons of food and oil and more. And the other one that explains Juche, which is self-reliance, which means I am master of my destiny without relying on anyone else. Well, no foreign contribution to the economy can ever be recognized. Now, that may be the greatest myth of all in North Korea. North Korea is, in fact, shrouded in darkness. The North Korean government has thrown a giant virtual tarp over the, over the land, and no one's permitted to see through it. But cracks have been noticed. Light is filtering in. It's only a matter of time now before all will be exposed. Jesus will be preached, 
as he is in secret and in quiet now. He'll be preached publicly, and those called to salvation will rise up to give glory to their God. Come, Lord Jesus. And do we talk vengeance here? I'm adding on to my article now. Yes, vengeance belongs to the Lord. That is not your business, sir. Jesus will return, and vengeance will come on those who have not responded properly to the King of Kings. But for now, our only vengeance is preaching the gospel with a vengeance, getting out there and telling people that they can be saved, they can be forgiven, and come to Christ. Item 85, the most famous mountain in the world. The source is Thomas Belke's Juche. One of the fascinating aspects of the North Korean government is its attempt to replace, not merely copy or even wipe out, the Christian faith. I quote from Belke, The most recent developed theology is the elevation in late 1997, I'm sure there's other things since then, of Kim Jong-il's mother, Kim Jong-suk, uh, to the status of a Juche goddess, possibly because of the historical strength of Christianity in the North, Christian influence on Juche theology is reflected in the Trinity-like image of the Juche Godhead and the surrogate gospel of Juche. However, unlike the co-equal three persons in one God of Christianity, Juche propaganda presents three separate gods with Kim Jong-suk in a non-Suryang, that's leader, supporting role to Kim Il-sung, the father, and Kim Jong-il, the son. And I don't know what they would have done with Kim Jong-un now, how he would fit into that. The following 1998 sample of North Korean propaganda provides an example of how these three personages are now glorified as the three generals of Mount Pektu. And we quote from that. Cards carrying pictures of the three great persons of Mount Pektu were recently distributed to houses in South Korea. Printed on the front side of each card are letters, Let us boast of and uphold the three generals from Mount Pektu, the most famous mountain in the world. Carried on its back are pictures of the three generals in army uniform, with letters ever victorious, Brilliant Commander Kim Il-sung, peerlessly brilliant Commander Kim Jong-il, and heroine of Pektu, General Kim Jong-suk. So, out with Calvary, out with Sinai. The world can forget 20,000-foot McKinley and 30,000-foot Everest, because Kim says so, a 9,000-foot elevation in North Korea's hill country is now the most famous mountain in the world. And by edict, edict of the same dictatorial family, Father Son and Lady Kim are to be North Korea's only choice for a worship-worthy trinity. It may be a bigger world than Mr. Kim thinks. Why not tell his people the whole truth about all the choices they have and see which way they go from there? It's the People's Republic, isn't it? All right, item 86, associated with Christ, guilty. Time to revisit David Hawke's Hidden Gulag, which is available online. Hawke describes two 
distinct systems of repression in North Korea. First, there's the network of forced labor colonies, camps, and prisons, where scores of thousands of prisoners, some political, which includes followers of Christ, some convicted felons are worked, many to their deaths, in mining, logging, farming, and industrial enterprises. Second, there are some shorter-term detention facilities used to punish, often severely, North Koreans who flee to China. For example, those who search for food during a famine but are arrested by Chinese police and forcibly returned home. Hawke says that in his studies he found extreme phenomena of repression that to his knowledge are unique to the Kim regime of the last couple of generations. This is the legacy that the Kims will pass on. These are the things by which they'll be remembered when all the dust settles. First, guilt by association. That is, if you're found guilty, three generations of your family and anyone else who's close to you are all locked up in a labor camp. But the truly guilty person is separated from the rest of his family members who are viewed as redeemable. And then no judicial process. Once it's decided you're guilty, you're guilty. There's no one to defend you in these cases. And your sentence is usually life in the gulag. And then forced abortions or murder of newborns to keep Korea pure. That many women, you recall, head north to China looking for food and a secure life. Often they become a victim of the human trafficking that goes on up there. They become pregnant by Chinese men. So when they are recaptured, they must be relieved of the burden they bear. Got to get rid of that non-Korean contamination. Kim Jong-il denies the existence of forced labor camps. In these days of let's get along, we'd all like to believe that. So help us, Mr. Kim. Help us to believe you. Open the doors of your little kingdom and let's look around. Let us look around. Until we're content, we've been mistaken. Until then, brothers and sisters in Christ, we believe the many witnesses who have come out and told, even drawn from memory, the horrors of the slave labor institutions. Let us pray earnestly for our family members in Christ, guilty by association with Jesus, who suffered demonic torment day after day. Let's remember the prisoners as though bound with them. Hebrews 13, 3. Well, item 87 is the glorious Pyongyang Church. As we continue our study of the body of Christ in North Korea, we simply must stop and talk about the 1907 Pyongyang Revival. The Christian Koreans have a glorious history and a glorious future. Though we cannot understand some of the goings-on in the North today, we are confident that the situation must be only temporary. God hears and answers the cries of his people. I quote below from Younghoon Lee's Korean Pentecost, the Great Revival of 1907. The origin 
of the 1907 Pyongyang revival could be traced to a prayer meeting of Methodist missionaries at Wonsan in 1903 and attributable to Dr. R. A. Hardy, a medical missionary working in the Kangwon province. Although Dr. Hardy worked arduously in his ministry, he was able to achieve very little. Frustrated, he entered into a period of self-reflection. He was strongly convicted as his prejudices, sins, and efforts of self-reliance were revealed to him. Deeply moved, Hardy began to share his testimony of the work of the Holy Spirit and publicly repent before other fellow missionaries. Subsequently, he shared his confessions and repented before Korean congregations, which ignited a flame of revival and a receiving of the Holy Spirit as never experienced before. As the revivals grew in number and intensity throughout Wonsan, the following year witnessed the outbreak of an enormous blessing and revival that swept the area through Pyongyang and Seoul and beyond. The height of the revivals that took place between 1900 and 1910 came on January 14, 1907, when over 1,500 gathered for a meeting and were invited to pray. The entire congregation burst into prayer and public confession, lasting throughout the night until the next day. The spirit that came through this Pentecost spread to the children and youth sparking revivals of a similar scale among high school students. It's said that the repentance and forgiveness was to the degree that the jails in all of Pyongyang were empty. Men and women became walking testimonies of the power of the Holy Spirit as their daily lives were completely transformed to the amazement of friends and family. Korean Christians gained a new strength and boldness as they took leadership in the independence movement and endured terrible persecution during a dark period of Korean history. The face of Korea was changed forever and the spirit of the 1907 revival has endured throughout the history of the Korean church. One hundred years ago, God's spirit poured out on Pyongyang, then persecution. Hmm. Two thousand years ago, God's spirit poured out on Jerusalem, then persecution. But persecution leads to deliverances and miracles and church growth. Let us join in praying that the present darkness hovering over the north will soon erupt into glorious light as the enemy is again defeated. The true Korean war, that is the one for the souls of men, is in the spirit. As in the natural, no final peace has ever been declared in that physical war, you know, the Korean War. No, no peace has ever been declared. So it is in our battle. Peace hasn't been declared. Why are some of us acting as though everything's okay now? We're at peace. We're not at peace. The enemy is working and we must be working. So let us fight on. We'll let it go at that on a somewhat happy note. It's not seriously happy, I guess, to think what happened after the revival, but to know that there was a revival and to think uh, the jails in Pyongyang empty of criminals in those days and today in North Korea 
the jails filled with God's people. We still got work to do, don't we? Lots of praying. Ask God what you're supposed to do about this. I ask him regularly, what do you want me to do? I'm doing a couple other things besides what I do here on the podcast. What are you doing? I don't say that in guilt. I just say that. Have you asked God recently? Lord, how can I help North Korea? I didn't say start helping. Just, God, what is it you want me to do? If you want me to pray every day, I will. If you want me to, to join a team and go over there to, to the border and, and work with the South Koreans, with North Korean refugees, I'll do that. If you want me to send money to others who are already in the fight, I'll do that. Ask Him. These are our brothers and sisters. Why are they hurting so much? Why is there poverty over there and riches here? Because we've got their money. We've got their we've got their stuff. We've got the ability to help them. And so it's not just an ability, isn't it? It's a response ability when you're given that kind of ability. God bless you today. Next time around, which is Monday, we'll do Fanny Crosby, part seven. And then Tuesday we'll be off. I've tried to let you know that because of some circumstances in my life that Tuesday I cannot do a podcast. And in the days to come after that, going back to my my, uh, school season job, I'll be uh, having to change the time of the podcast. Look for it later in the afternoon. But it's always good to have you here. What would I do if you weren't there? I mean, I'd be talking into the air here for no reason. I'm talking into the air now. (laughs) But I know that somebody's picking up on this. And I do like to hear from you every once in a while. God bless you today. Have a good one. without Psalm 143.1 where we began and where we hope will continue throughout the day. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications.